Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis. This is the Catholic podcast where you will discover spunk and motivation to live a vibrant and transformational life as a child of God. I'm Rochelle Lucero, and I invite you to walk with me as we dive into all the things that Jesus gave us to do just that. I'm talking about the Bible, Catholic tradition, church documents, the catechism, the saints, the fathers, the doctors of the church, you name it, and I'll draw from it. You and I together, we are going to transform the world by letting Christ transform us. Hey, what's up? Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Clumsy Theosis Podcast. My name is Rochelle Lucero, and I am your host. And today, your host has decided that we should talk about the sign of the cross. The sign of the cross is like Catholicism 101. It's such a basic element in our faith. And for many of us, the sign of the cross is the first prayer that we learn how to pray as kids. So why am I going to bring it up today? It's because I have my suspicions that many of us do not think enough about it. And that means we're missing out on a lot of the spiritual symbolism and just overall theological goodness that is found in the sign of the cross. And I say this from experience, because back when I started exploring the traditions of the Byzantine Catholic Rite, one of the first things that I noticed was that they made the sign of the cross very differently, a lot differently than I was used to ever making it, you know, being that I grew up in the Roman Rite. And this was like a noticeable difference. So I started to ask questions. I started to do research and I really, really am glad that I did because my research opened my eyes to so much history of the sign of the cross and even theology, which I didn't really expect to find. And it made me realize that so often when we make the sign of the cross, we're making a number of theological declarations and we probably don't even realize what declarations we're making. And we should because they're, they're really freaking awesome. All right, so there's this um, Catholic author. His name is Bert Giese, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, G-H-E-Z-Z-I. He has this book out about the sign of the cross, and so he was interviewed by EWTN. And in this written interview, um, I'll include it on my website if you want to read it. Um, it's short. I think you should read it. But in this interview, he says that the sign of the cross is a confession of faith, a renewal of baptism, a mark of discipleship, an acceptance of suffering, a defense against the devil, and victory over self-indulgence. So before I go into any explanation about the sign of the cross, really quickly, make the sign of the cross over yourself. Okay, when you did that, did you touch your right shoulder first or your left shoulder first? Also, were your fingers positioned in any sort of particular way? Like, did you hold them in any specific way or they're just kind of there, open palm? Okay, my whole life in the Roman Rite, I made the sign of the cross by touching my forehead and then my belly button because, you know, you have to go down and touch your belly button and make the full sign of the cross. And then I would touch my left shoulder and my right shoulder. And I didn't do anything special with my fingers. And I remember I would have some friends when I was younger that they would lay their thumb across their pointer finger in the shape of a cross and then kiss that finger cross that they made after they were done making the sign of the cross. And I was always a little kind of jealous, like, I wish I was supposed to do something special with my fingers. But it was always just open palm and like straight fingers. But in the Byzantine tradition, you make the sign of the cross by touching your forehead and then your belly button, then your right shoulder, and then your left shoulder. 
And some people would say that this is backwards, but I'm gonna return to that claim in a little bit. History has something to say about that. And then when it comes to finger placement, in the Byzantine Rite, your finger placement is very specific when you make the sign of the cross. The thumb, the pointer finger, and the middle finger, they all touch together at the tip. You know, like think you're pinching like salt out of a little bowl, right? And this is a big deal that all three of these fingers come together because together they represent and declare the consubstantial and, indivis and indivisible trinity. And the ring finger and the pointer finger, they're not just hanging out waiting for you to finish making the sign of the cross. They have a specific place to be also when you make the sign of the cross. They're folded into the center of your palm, like where Christ's wounds would have been. Those two fingers together in the center of your palm, they invoke the two natures of Christ. And the theological term for this is the hypostatic union. And it declares that Jesus is fully God and fully man, which is super important in Catholic theology. It's super important for theosis that we recognize and declare the hypostatic union of Christ. So why is this so different? Is the Eastern way, in fact, backwards? So let's look a little bit more closely at the different shoulder, you know, left first versus right first. In the Latin church, i.e. the Roman rite, people typically go from left shoulder to right shoulder. And it was Pope Innocent II who speculated back in the 10th century that this gesture of going from left shoulder to right shoulder was symbolic of moving from the darkness to the light, which is really cool. And the reason for this, the reason that left is associated with dark and right is associated with the light, it comes from the sun, as in S-O-N, the son of God. Because Christian tradition holds that the son of God, the one who is light from light, he will return from the east, which interestingly has some relevance to the sun as in S-U-N, but that is for another day. So that's the Latin method of going left shoulder to right shoulder. Now, doing right shoulder first is sometimes called making the right cross. This is the Byzantine way of doing it. And some people say it's backwards. It's actually older than the Latin way of making the sign of the cross. And it's actually referred to as primitive in the history of the universal Catholic church. You ask yourself, does its antiquity make this the correct way then to make the sign of the cross? I'll give you my answer later. But what is the reason for going from right shoulder to left shoulder? When you make the right cross, it has twofold meaning. The first is that you're declaring that Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father in his kingdom. And you could totally expand on this in your meditation and in your theological uh, research and study. Beautiful symbolism. The second has to do with blessings. When a bishop or a priest gives a blessing, and this is true in the Latin West as well as in the Byzantine East, including the Orthodox, when a priest or a bishop gives a blessing, they give the blessing from their left to their right. And it's been this way ever since a decree from Emperor Leo IV in the 700s, and probably even before that. And that's why he came out and made this decree, because it was part of just regular Christian Catholic tradition at the time. And so he decreed that, yes, this is the way it will always be done. This left-to-right motion of, you know, receiving a blessing from clergy is also symbolic of them writing a cross on us as they bless us, which I think is super cute. So in the East, the faithful, when they're receiving a blessing, the faithful are mirroring the gesture of blessing that they receive from the clergy. This is a sign of recognition that we cannot bless ourselves, as in we're not the origin of the blessing. 
all blessings that we receive from clergy, even from ourselves or from our loved ones, they all have their origin in God. They all come from God and God alone. It's a sign of humility to recognize this and even fear of the Lord. Now, I want to go back and revisit the topic of finger placement because I know I said that when I would do it as a little kid, it was just usually just like an open palm, fingers kind of straight. I had friends who did some cutesy little things by making a cross out of their thumb and their pointer finger. And in the West, in the Latin church, there really isn't any set custom for finger placement. And the ones that do exist now and even historically have all largely been cultural. But in my research, I did find one that I really liked. My favorite tradition in the West was to pinch the tips of all five of your fingers together when you make the sign of the cross because that signifies the five wounds of Christ. And this totally makes sense to me that this was something that was practiced a lot in the Latin church when you consider the medieval church's emphasis on like the incarnate, the fleshy nature of Christ. I mean, that's something that I've probably talked about before when I've talked about um, mysticism in the medieval ages. A little bit of a side note, a digression. But anyways, back to the East and their finger placement. I've already explained how in the Byzantine Rite, we make two big theological declarations with our finger placement, one about the Trinity and the other about the hypostatic union of Christ's two natures. And when you look back at the church's history, it's very obvious that Christianity originated in the East, and it was the early Christians who had to battle a lot of heresy at the very beginnings of the church when things were being established. They had to battle a lot of false teachings about the Trinity and about the two natures of Christ, among other things. But those two topics came up a lot during the early church. And if you're interested at all in what those heresies were, I do have a three-part series on Trinitarian and Christological heresies from the early church that I'll link on the website. Give them a listen, and they are an overview of the type of things that were dividing the church and that the church was fighting over because, you know, to get those things wrong are detrimental to the faith um, and salvation. So give those a listen if you have some time to spare. Now, in the early church, The way that you made the sign of the cross told people what theology you followed. You know, like I said, you're making theological declarations with your finger placement, with the way that you make the sign of the cross. And I remember explaining this one time and someone told me it sounded like the early Christians were using gang signs. Now, please don't be offended, but I like this comparison because I think it's kind of funny and that's because it's kind of true. You know, it's like early Christians were like, you know, making the sign of the cross, basically saying, I'm down with the consubstantial and indivisible trinity and the hypostatic union of Christ. What about you? You know, so the sign of the cross was very important back then. It was an important indicator about what you believed, if you were in the truth or if you were not. And the Byzantine church and the Orthodox churches have been making the sign of the cross this way since the time of early Christianity. So back to the question. Since Eastern or Byzantine tradition of making the sign of the cross is considered the most primitive or traditional method of making the sign of the cross. Is this the correct way to make the sign of the cross? Yes, but so is the Latin or the Roman tradition of making the sign of the cross. Because look, the truth is that the sign of the cross has evolved for different reasons, all of them with beautiful symbolism and theological impact in both the East and in the West. There's an early Christian belief that when we make the sign of the cross, 
we're setting ourselves apart and marking ourselves as the chosen people of God. And this is still true for us today. You know, the sign of the cross, it is a profession of faith. It recalls the mystery of the Trinity and the mystery of the incarnation and the death of our Lord Jesus on the cross. It also is a prayer and it's an invocation, a petition, a declaration to and of the Trinity. I mean, and there's so much more that I could say about the sign of the cross, but we are running out of time. So I'm going to leave you with two really awesome quotes from some mighty, mighty saints. And I want to suggest and encourage you to use these as points of meditation instead of the declarations that we typically do at the end of an episode. Meditate with these. These quotes are going to be available on the website so that you can go back to them later if you want to see them. And there'll be a link in the show notes for you to find them. You ready for this? Okay, here is some encouragement from the 300s for us to make the sign of the cross as much as possible. It was St. Cyril of Jerusalem who wrote, Let us then not be ashamed to confess the crucified. Be the cross our seal, made with boldness by our fingers on our brow and in everything, over the bread we eat and the cups we drink, in our coming ins and our goings out, before our sleep, when we lie down and when we awake, when we are traveling and when we are at rest. And one of the really good reasons for us to do this, along with everything else that we covered and all of the awesome symbolism in all of the little intricacies of making the sign of the cross, be it in the East or in the West, comes from St. John Chrysostom. According to him, whenever demons see the sign of the cross, they fly away, dreading it as the staff that they are beaten with. So let us beat back those devils by making the sign of the cross as often as possible. I want to give a special thank you to our financial supporters who are listeners just like you. Our top supporters are Sherry, T-Rex, Gina, Jason, Vincent, Gary, and Lewis. I can only create this show because listeners donate. So if you want to help me to continue to do this, I do need your financial support. To learn ways that you can support Clumsy Theosis, please visit clumsytheosis.net slash donate. Thank you so much. Peace out. Welcome to the end of the podcast. Since you made it this far, you know what that means, right? We're like totally best friends now. (laughs) But for real though, thanks so much for spending time with me and growing in your faith knowledge and letting Christ transform you. Since you stayed this long, I'm thinking that you liked the episode. So will you do me a favor and share it with a friend or all of your friends on social media? While you're online, I invite you to check out my website, clumsytheosis.net. There you're going to find all of the things that you need, such as how to get in touch with me, how to book me as a speaker, how to find my social channels, how to sign up for our weekly email, and very importantly, this is very important, how to donate if you'd like to support the show. This show is listened to in approximately 90 countries across the globe. So if you find value in this show, please consider donating at clumsytheosis.net. Anything that you give is very much appreciated and it is super helpful. All right. Thanks again for walking with me today. Remember that we can transform the world by letting Christ transform us.